The following episode contains major spoilers for a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition publication. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Legend Lore, the podcast series where two Dungeon Masters flip through one Dungeons & Dragons book at a time, giving their insights on the pros and cons of the publication in question. I'm Adam, and with me is Brad, and today we're going over our thoughts on the Wizards of the Coast product, Spelljammer, Adventures in Space. I feel like that that accurately sums up the appropriate... Yeah, I think the vibe's right. Okay, so... um, No reverb. (laughs) So... Uh, for those of you who don't know, Spelljammer Adventures in Space is a bit of a republication. It is, I don't want to say it's a retcon, but we're definitely revisiting this. The original Spelljammer, I think, was published in 1989 for, I want to say, second edition. I don't know if it was AD&D, but it feels very AD&D. Uh, I was not playing D&D at the time. I'm most familiar with the 3.5 version of it, which was not great. Um... It was not classic Spelljammer. They kind of rewrote a bunch of stuff for it. So in 4th edition, you know, it's dipped a toe in and that was all. Um, this box set has been sitting on my shelf for months at this point. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, we've been planning to record this episode for a while, but never got around to it. My version is not even open. Uh, however, I'm not, I haven't been able to stay spoiler-free because of the internet, so I kind of know what I'm getting into on this. Brad, you've opened yours. And I've, I've opened mine and flipped through it, but... It's still... I haven't done the deep dive yet. Um, so, Brad's voice is absolutely shot today because of um, a hard night of binge drinking last night. Was that it? It happens to the best <laughs> of us. Um, so, we are going to uh, slice open this packaging, dig into the box set. The box set has three short books and a DM screen. So it's a really nice you know, slipcase for it as well. Um at the very least, the art looks fantastic for all of this. Yeah, it'll look really nice on your shelves, if nothing else. Um, before we jump into it, though, I want to ask, and I know you've already dug into it a little bit, but when they announced Spelljammer, you were the most excited person on the podcast for it. I was, because I had no baggage for it, and I love sci-fi. Thank you for implying that I have baggage. Uh, <laughs> I'm big in science fiction, too. I'm not big into science fantasy. As a matter of fact, I've fallen out of love with Star Wars in the last 10 to 15 years, which is um, news to a lot of people. Brad just looked at my Star Wars display in the corner, which is like prominent in the room. Very prominent. However, if you'll notice, it's all the Ridge Tridge. Yes. There's none of this newfangled bullshit. So, um, I, uh, although I will say that Disney Plus series are pretty fun. Yeah, they've, they've, I haven't seen all And or but, they've absolutely crushed. I haven't seen it yet. Anyway, look, that's not what this episode is about. So, <laughs> we can talk about Star Wars for a while. However, um, we're going to jump into Spelljammer. What were you hoping to see when they announced it? Like, what got you excited? Honestly, Space Monsters was the biggest thing for me. And interplanar travel. Yeah. Right? Something between the planes in this. That's really what I wanted, right? We kind of hand swipe or kind of just brush over interplanar travel, right? You start in one plane, you end up in another. I want this to kind of give you a way to do that, right? Wormholes and portals and things like that. What's interesting is that um, I've got a little bit of knowledge about how Spelljammer itself works. And 
it's going to be hard to do this episode without getting into the nitty gritties of it. Yeah. Which is not what this episode is about. By the time that uh, that this comes out, we will have recorded, probably not released, a Spelljammer episode as well that kind of breaks open what the campaign setting is. Yeah. Um, in the standard main podcast. Um, however, my big thing for this was I wanted cosmic aberration weirdness. Yep. Right. That was the big thing. I'm all about... I'm all about space monsters. My favorite monster that exists in all of Star Wars, for example, is that worm on the asteroid that they land inside of. And it has an ecosystem inside where there are freaking bat monsters. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. We don't see that anywhere else. I'm all about that shit. And I want that. I'm also a big fan of Call of Cthulhu. And, yeah. Right. It all kind of comes together. Yeah. Like this weird mind. Yeah. So I'm looking for a little bit of uh, cosmic horror shit in this sure. as well. Um, do you have any concerns about this book? I mean, are they going to jump the shark, right? We have been asking that question since, oh, Rime of the Frostmaiden, Tasha's yeah. Cauldron of Everything, right around then. Like, is this when they jump the shark? We we know the new edition's coming. Yeah. Like, at this point, the game is already, there's so much. Are they just going to embrace it and go too far, or are they going to try and keep it reined in? Well, they've released what's going to come out in 2023. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we've got another Magic the Gathering setting, which is all based on heists. Yeah. We've got giants. We've got the book of many things, whatever that whatever is. Whatever that is. Um, and, uh, I'm most excited for the giants one, honestly, because the giants episodes of Megan and Casey, you've done they would have been them. fantastic. Yeah. Um, and we'll cover all that shit. Definitely. But, um, there's also going to be a Fandelver campaign. Yeah. Like a little module that's in there and, um, Planescape. Is the last one. I'm honestly surprised it took them so long to get back to Fandelver. I am too, although there's so much they haven't covered. Previous editions of D&D, um, and I know I promise we'll talk about Spelljammer, this publication in a second here. Previous editions of D&D had so many releases of such wildly varied content. But there were two regular magazines, Dungeon Magazine and Dragons Magazine, very, very original, um, coming out every month. Um, and then there was also... Like, uh, 3.5 was terrible for a brand new book every two months or so for years. Oh, yeah. Sometimes more frequent than that. And they would have, you know, this is the Forgotten Realms publication. This is the Greyhawk publication. This is just a generic publication. Here's one only about Beholders. And it all lands in the same month. No one's wallet could keep up. And it was published by the same company, but wildly different creative teams on it. So it was right. varying in quality and art and all that shit. So, um... Fifth edition seems to be more streamlined. That has been the name of the game since day one. Unfortunately, that means that as you streamline more, you cut away the fringes and a lot of the really interesting bits kind of get lost by the wayside or they get added in with no context. For example, in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, which doesn't exist anymore, you can't buy nope. it, they've discontinued Scratched. it. Yeah, Unless you can find it on a shelf in a comic book store, you can't find it. Nope. So, um, so uh, they included the GIF. And yes. the Niyogi in that. Out of nowhere. Like, with no context. It's just, hey, these things are from space. I absolutely love the GIF. That's a big reason I've been waiting for this book in particular. I, I love the GIF as well. I think they're really fun. Um, and uh, and I actually just recorded an episode on the GIF Excellent. last night um, with Megan and Terry. And so that'll be coming out in a couple of months. Um, but I would say my biggest concern here is that they've gone too broad. And mm. what is specific is not the right thing that's specific, you know? Um, we saw this with, uh, Radiant Citadel. They yes. introduced so many brand new concepts and new cultures and new ideas, but they didn't 
really give us any meat behind it. It's the same problem with the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. Yeah. Right? Where here's this broad scope. The info they give us is good, but it's not specific. We don't get anything really from it. It did not enhance my campaigns except for a couple of charts. Yeah. And a handful of uh, of subclasses that I will never fucking play. So, <laughs> um, anyway, let's carve into this one, and uh, then we will roll initiative and see. So, I am literally stabbing books right now. And it, Adam, don't fuck up your library. Okay. Or your hand. The, the hand will heal. The library will. Well, the library will get replaced. But, uh, I, there's something about bo- uh, books in a box. Yes. That just, it's. Like you Magical. can't you can't tell my nipples are so hard right now. That's okay. not all. <laughs> um, so you know what? I was expecting that to be more difficult to slide out. We're gonna set away the box set here, but real quickly, um, the box itself is the art is pretty on the front. I like Minsk and Boo. Yes, I, I do too. I actually have them in the little pop. Oh yeah, out. there they are. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I could. Oh, this back page comes right off. All right. Um, it's got a little set sales for the stars and then what the contents are. There are three books. Book one is um, essentially your DMG, your, your yeah, campaign a, setting. Yeah, slash PHB. Yeah. Um, the next one is the um, Astral Menagerie, and then the third one is yeah. an adventure. So mm-hmm. um, so we'll go through them in that order. And, uh, and then we get a double-sided poster map um, for the Rock of Brawl. Cool and a sturdy four-panel dungeon master screen with some really, really cool art. Cool. Uh, and we'll touch on that in a bit as well. So let's set the box aside. We will set the DM screen aside and launch into the first book, which was the Astral Adventures Guide. Let's grab dice and roll to see who's gonna cover what. Let's do it. I rolled a two. You're going I first with a six. six. Wow. That's pretty standard, right? Yeah. So right. Um, these books, while we say there's three books, they're all so thin. Super thin. It could have been one book. Frankly, there there are fewer pages amongst these three than there are in other books that have been released. Yeah. um, That said, I actually like the format of three books, to be honest. Frankly, I can hand out, I can hand out the Astral Adventures Guide and keep the Menagerie to myself as a DM. Right? So, anyways, let's, uh. Let's launch into it, Brad. You've got uh, you've got book number one. Yeah, I do. So let's cover the cover. Um, I, I get it. Yeah, I can get. We are looking at some amazing art here. Of almost, it's a ship that looks kind of like a nautilus shell with crab legs poking out the front. I actually think they're called nautilus. Um, I believe they are, and they're the yeah. mind flayer ships. We'll get into them, but just some beautiful art and like stars in the background galaxies in the background it's really quite beautiful uh so yeah the first page you'll get to is the uh cover page which has the uh, ever so controversial hadazi uh the hadazi yeah and again we cover those in detail we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna dive into that but no. uh if you're opening up the original like publication of these those have been severely retconned absolutely and, and redacted out of D beyond it's so kind of wild yeah just um, how hard they hit it yeah, uh, well, they freaking <laughs> needed to. Yeah. It's wild how hard they fucking fucked up in the first place. But here we are. Yeah. So, um, mechanically, I really like them. Yeah. From a lore perspective, holy shit. So, anyway, let's let's move on. All right. Um, yeah, and we'll get the credits, contents, you know, the usual thing. We got the alternate covers, art, 
which is fantastic. It actually has a uh, gift smoking a pipe on the front. Star by Stars. That's fun. The alternate, and then the back cover is two pistols. The alternative art is always fantastic. Really, really beautiful. Um, and then we'd be remiss not to cover... Oh, is it not here? Is there not I a disclaimer? Oh, there it is. It was much smaller than in the other books. <laughs> it's actually hidden away. You could actually miss this one. All right, let's cover the disclaimer because you have to. Space sickness is a common malady that primarily affects world huggers. Before embarking on a wild space voyage, consult your local apothecary for a suitable remedy, such as a box of crackers, a perfume-soaked handkerchief, or a map. I'm assuming that's like sea sickness, but in space. Yeah. It's not space madness, like, like no. reavers and fireflies. Yeah, no, yeah. nothing like that. You um, sound like you smoke, like you chain smoke three packs a day right now. I have been for, the COVID did it to me. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. who, who, sorry, who's the head writer and the, the lead editor on this? Do we have any credits? Uh, project lead. Project lead on this book is Christopher Perkins. Well, we know who to blame then, don't we? Yeah, and then writers, Chris, Jeremy Crawford, and Ari Levich are your primary writers. Okay, there we go. So, usual characters. Yeah, these are are names we're familiar with. Yeah, and then you get your table of contents, uh, broken into three chapters. Uh, So, you have your introduction, then three chapters. First chapter being character options, second, astral adventuring, and the third, the Rock of Brawl, which is kind of the setting. Yeah, okay. I'm assuming it's like a city. Yeah. It's usually a city. Yes, or, exactly. Kind of a, or, where, where you start and center yeah. yourself at. Yeah, okay. And then at the bottom of that page has some more really cool art of a whale with a house on its back. These oh. are these are space whales, right? Yes, a space whale. A cottage on a kindori is the name of the whale. Kindori. All right, cool. I'm flipping into the introduction here. I've just like these pages are so glossy and thick. Like, the production quality on this is high. Well, hell, they charge enough. It needs to yeah. be, right? Like, I hope the content is as high quality as the pages themselves. Spoiler alert, probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Vast Oceans of Adventure is the first part. Gives us terminology. I'm not going to get into it, but I'll read the, the bolded bits. It breaks out the astral plane, the wild space system, which I believe is the vacuum around the solar system, yeah. and then the astral plane exists beyond that, and the astral sea. I notice we don't have crystal spheres anymore. That's from previous editions. Okay. Also, Phlogiston is gone. Mm. That rhymes. That will come up in a future episode. Because that rhymes and I like rhyming things. So, the Phlogiston was what the astral sea was, or the astral plane was made of. Was the mist, kind of. It's very complicated and very weird and, you know, fantasy bullshit, right? So, um, using this book, chapter one contains new material for players. Um, two backgrounds and six race options. Chapter two is rules for spell jamming. And chapter three is a city built on an asteroid. Okay, cool. Astral campaigns. It talks about the light of Xerixis, which is the adventure, right? Yeah, it's the adventure module. Um, uh, if you choose to start your campaign on the Rock of Brawl, see chapter three. Work with your players to determine which characters have lived in the city long enough to know. Well, sure, great. Um, and then, ooh, first adventure. There's a D10 table. Um, with just coming up with a, I guess... Homebrew first adventure. Yeah. Um, let's roll a d10. Sure. What'd you get? A six. A six. Villagers ask the characters to investigate a strange object in the hills, which turns out to be a crashed night spider. See chapter two. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, and it has survivors a Neoji pirate and a Neogi hatchling swarm. Megan would absolutely love that adventure. 
Absolutely phenomenal. Okay, so that's fun. That's a good yeah. place to start. And then, oh, I'm not going to get used to how big these pages are. That is beautiful, colorful art. Yeah. This is... This is fantasy. You know how Star Wars tends to mostly be in browns and grays when yeah. you're on Tatooine and yeah. stuff? This feels Guardians of the Galaxy with its Very palette, much so. Right? Like it, the color palettes in this are like just beautiful. Yeah. So um, character options for Chapter 1 are... We get a couple of backgrounds. First, the Astral Drifter, um, which really quickly, you're uh, driven by wanderlust. That uh, adventuring shit, right? Yeah. I uh, just want to go out and see as much of the galaxy as possible, much of the universe. Uh, you are 20d6 years older than you look because you spent so much time in the Astral Sea without aging. Yeah. Which is one of the neat factors of, of um, Spelljammer. Everybody's weirdly long-aged. Um, and then there's, you get a, a divine contact. Holy shit, and some of these actually matter, like Coralon's there. So you have met Coralon or Hecate, Hecate, the god of magic and moons. Some of these are... I think some of these are real gods. Yeah. Interesting. Tamora's here too, which is cool. Okay, so you have met gods. I know that there are gods that wander around, and also there are gods that die. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there are dead gods floating around. Just there. floating. Yeah, that, that's cool. Uh, the next one is the Wild Spacer. You were raised in the void of wild space, home to asteroid miners, moon farms, so traditional... Uh, space like, Pirates was taken. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I feel like this is for anybody that wants to experience a little bit of the expanse. Yeah. Right. So that's cool. You had a close encounter with a beholder. A cosmic horror is legitimately a thing. I said cosmic horror before, and apparently it's a thing. They have n- new kinds of dragons, space clowns. And my least favorite title of anything so far in all of D&D is the Vampirate. You don't like that? I Jeez. thought that would be right up your alley. That is... I am just pissed as that pun, I didn't come up I with I was going to say, yeah. as the pun master. Um, there are races, and we're not going to go through them, but the races are... They're still called races, interestingly yes. enough, in this. I assume that that swap to lineages will be in one D&D. They're, yeah. they're using the phraseology online already. Maybe lineages. if they reprint this book... When they reprinted it, I don't have my hands on the new copy. But. Yeah, well, I don't think it's been released yet. So, yeah. um, but they've got so here are the six races: the Astral Elf, Autonome, the Gif, uh, it's not pronounced Gif, uh, the Hadozi, Plasmoid, uh, and the Thrycreen, which gives us essentially another kind of elf, a um, kind of mechanized gnome, like a yeah. If you played World of Warcraft, a mechanome. Yeah, um, uh, hippo people. Uh, flying squirrel slash monkey people, um, uh, oozes, Ooze, yeah, yeah, um, hu- humanoid shaped oozes, and then uh, insect people. So, uh, also, there's a little note here Gith Yankee are natives to the astral plane. If you want to play one, the Gith Yankee race option is presented in Monsters of yeah, the Monkey. It absolutely makes sense to have, be a Gith Yankee, it's just they didn't, they didn't they didn't reprint bo- it, right? Yeah, I mean, why they didn't bother reprinting it, I don't know. Uh, frankly. This is one of my concerns with, with the way that 5th edition was in general. And I know I'm not going to try to harp on all of 5e. But they, when they reprint, they do it very strangely and very subtly. And they try to sneak it past us a little yeah. bit. Why they wouldn't have just taken the exact one from Mordekainen's and put it in. Yeah, uh, they should have, frankly. It fits this book. Yeah. But I guess they're just trying to keep the... Page count down? Well, when you're spending $95 on these glossy pages. Like, yeah, right. Um... The art for these things are really cool. The astral elves look very alien, like their helmets are really neat. Yes, and they've done a good job of representing diversity for even within each race, right? Yeah. They've really not homogenized them. You've given you a lot of 
ideas for how yours could look different. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool art for the GIF. The problematic art of the Hadozi Minstrel should probably fucking go. But the Plasmoids out riding one of the... Riding a space hamster. Yeah. Um, and then the Thrycreen, which apparently do face painting. I yeah, apparently. That's neat. They've got... Yeah, they're pretty cool. I, I do like they it whenever... Always. Whenever somebody has additional limbs and also loincloths, like that, that, yeah. that's neat. All right, so that gets us through the first portion of this book up to page 15. And so far, everything they've added, solid. Yeah, I like it. All right, that brings us to the second chapter, which is astral adventuring. This is kind of going to cover how do you travel through space, um, what kind of items you might come across, and then a lot of it is going to be on the actual ships themselves and how they're used. Can you come across Elon Musk's car? Oh, I mean, I would put it in there. That's homebrew <laughs> for sure. I'm sure there's some sort of licensing issue with it. The splash art for this first page, we get a beholder right there. That's fun. Like that, you're like, setting the tone. Yeah. Giant space spider blowing up behind it. Like I'm all over this, this like I say, cosmic horror. These monstrously huge yeah. creatures. You're dealing in massive scale, right? Yeah. So it talks here about how quickly ships can move, what it feels like to travel through space, um, and then the air envelopes of creatures, which is really interesting, right? How uh, basically you're surrounded in an envelope of air for breathing's purposes. I read online that there's a time limit on this as well, which is kind of a ticking clock, which is a good mechanic. A very good mechanic. Um, but then also depending on the size of the creature, the envelope around you is bigger based on your size. Oh, right on. So that's pretty cool. And then objects obviously have their own as well. And ships here actually have their own gravity plane as well as an yeah. envelope for air. And the gravity plane is, if you're on the bottom of the ship, you walk across the bottom of the ship. Exactly. You're really only going to run into weird gravity shit if you're on the side of the ship. Yeah. Right? Because it is a horizontal plane. It's not a bubble where right. like all gravity points towards the yeah, center. Yeah, it's not a sphere. No, no, not it, like a planet. No, it's a, it's a flat disk of yeah. gravity. Yeah. Quite interesting. Um, and then it'll covers, you know, what happens if those planes overlap, what are the effects? Sure. In its own version, the astral plane itself. So it's going to give you a list of different systems and spaces within the astral plane. What's interesting here is just based on this one little piece of art that we have, which is very generic. There's not a whole lot of detail. The astral plane covers the astral sea as well as all of these bubbles, these wild space bubbles. Yeah. And the wild space bubbles don't contain all of the planes. That's right. What they do contain is all of the material planes for each one of the campaign settings, and in theory, an infinite number of them, which covers all the homebrew campaigns. Sure, right? so, yeah. Um, if you want to go plane hopping, like say you want to go to the elemental plane of fire, or you want to go to the abyss, or the far realms, or wherever it is, you you don't... Leave your system, your wild space system. You're still within the same system. Um, no, that's it, not how it works. They technically exist... I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example here. They don't exist at all in this realm. There are these colored pools of water all the way through the Astral Sea. And these act as portals to go in and out. And each color represents a different plane you can go to. So it's the Magician's Nephew. I don't know that reference. C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, the first book. I never read Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, it is one of my blind spots. That and The Princess Bride. I have just never, never done Princess Bride either. But... Um, yeah, there's all of these little portals so you walk through it, um, or like you sink down into it and then yeah. you come out the other side, um, and, uh, then you can visit different planes 
and you can come back to the same pools. They exist and they stay there. Right. But you can get to any... If you want to go to the, the, the Plain of Nyx, which is the underworld in Theros, right. you can find a colored pool at random outside of the wild space sphere for the Forgotten Realms. Oh, just somewhere out in the Astral Sea? Yeah, so these things just float out in the Astral Sea, and there are multiples of them for each one of the planes, and it seems to be chaotic and random when they show up and where mm. and all that. Um, and this is why navigating in this area is so strange and weird. Yeah. And all of the stars around are actually wild space... Um, they used to be crystal spheres. You'd have to penetrate this crystal sphere to get into the wild space. Right. But now you don't have to do that anymore. It's just wild space. It's just a bubble. Bubble right. of, bubble of a vacuum, weirdly. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, there's even a section in here about astral fishing. With a, roll a d10 for me. Roll a d10 for you. Uh, I got a one. Congratulations. You caught a tiny edible fish. It feeds one person. Sorry. It, it's edible. It's not edible. Correct. Okay. It doesn't have strong feelings about it. <laughs> no, mother. not really. No. Okay. So, um, there's a lot of art in these. Uh, the spelljammers themselves, the actual ships. Yes. They 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 look like galleons. We always talk about space pirates, and we think about yep. these galleons. But there's a lot of aquatic themes to this art, as well as yes. a lot of like bird and wings, as well. Anything that moves in three dimensions, mm-hmm. right? And then also. Pirate ships and air bubbles. Yes, right. Very and much so, so these are kind of the the structures that you will see out there floating around, besides asteroids and other ships. Right. So. Yeah. Um, we got a list of just a couple spells here. There's only two of them that they add. One is air bubble. Right. Well, you kind of need. You kind of right? do. It's yeah. it right. It's water. It's water. Yeah, I was about it's, to say. It's space water breathing. Yeah, it's for space breathe. And then create spell jamming helm, which basically allows you to create a large or smaller chair. That. Is that what the what the Spelljammer helm is? It's just John Luke Picard's chair? Basically, yeah. Okay, but only a spellcaster can use one to navigate. Nobody else can. Act. It's right in the lore in 5th edition. So your barbarian can't. Can't, right? can't pilot it. Based on um, maybe a wild magic barbarian. No, it has to be able to cast spells, oh, not spell-like to, ooh, effects. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because here it just says, holding the rod used in the casting of the spell, you touch a larger, smaller chair that's unoccupied. The rod disappears and the chair is transformed into a spell gemming helm. Cool. And there's a whole item here for it um, on how it functions. But basically, it's to propel and maneuver the ship. If you're sitting in the chair, you maneuver the ship. All right, then. Fifth level spell, by the way, transmutation. Okay. Yeah, I like that. So you're mid-level wizard or your top-level paladin, right? Like, yeah. Like, you're not going to have your average ranger able to do this. Correct. The art for this is really cool. you got some regal chairs. One that looks like a scorpion tail. Really cool. Oh, that is so You can really flavor it to your character. Um, and then we go into a really deep dive on the ships. So it talks about the uh, crewing, how to do ship-to-ship combat, uh, what happens when your ship crashes, and how to repair your ship. What's interesting to me is that that is two pages. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much to it. And it's only two pages. I feel... Now, again, we're not going to read every single word of this, but no. I really do feel that... That's not enough for for ship for ship combat. Ship, yeah. right? Like, I feel like there needs to be rules for jumping from one another and entering gravity wells, and and maybe there is elsewhere in the book. Uh, there, but, yeah, there's a little section here on boarding, but it's literally two paragraphs. So and I, short ones at that. Yeah, I feel like the DM has a lot of uh, heavy lifting for actual calls at the table. Go read Ghost of Saltmarsh and try and take yeah. a lot of that out, right? Yeah. Um. And now we're going to, then it goes into just pages and pages of different types of ships. 
Um, we won't go into all of them, but basically they're all, like you said, like galleons. Oh, yeah, or or aquatic creatures or yeah, things too, right? Exactly. Like, like the Nautilus for the Mind Flayers. Yeah, absolutely. But basically what you can get for each ship is you're going to get a uh, stat block for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the stat block, interestingly, you're going to get armor class, health points, damage threshold, which is basically how much damage it takes before it actually takes damage, I believe. That's it used to be called uh, damage reduction DR yeah. in previous editions. Yeah, I so, think that's what they've called it. Here's damage threshold. Yeah, and, and you know what? I don't mind that, and yeah. that's that's fine. I wish they gave us shit like that for carriages and wagons and yeah. castle walls, doors, right? Like, yeah, even a window should have a DR of one, one, right? Yeah. Like, I I feel like, yeah. Anyway, let's. Yeah. Anyways, um, you also get obviously the speed, how quickly it moves. How much cargo it can carry? How many people it takes to crew it? Which is really interesting. Is the cargo in cubic feet? I can't read it. No, right. tons. Okay. It's not based on weight. Based on weight. So I can just carry an infinite number of feathers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. You also get the keel to beam distance, right? How how sure. long it is, how wide it is, and then how much it costs to buy one. Um, okay. And then it'll also give you a breakdown for what the weapons are. You'll get a deck plan for it, as well as like a side view drawing. What's that what list? Like. And then a list of all the different parts and rooms within the ship. Okay. All right. right? So where your sails are, where your winches are. Where does, it, there's nothing in there specifically about, what is it, crew at all? Uh, it says what the how many people it takes to crew it. But not who they are. Not who they are. However, it does specify per weapon how many crew it takes to handle the weapon. Okay. So I assume that there's the, the captain or the pilot. Yes. And then you would just have generic shipmen after that. Exactly. Like, you can choose a medic, you can choose the... Yeah, set it up though you want. There's a little crew section on the first page here. But again, two Uh, paragraphs. Yeah. And a price, 50 gold persons a day to operate a ship. Sure. Okay. All right. Um, And then it just keeps going. We've got... Uh, That one looks like a dragonfly. That one looks like a dragonfly. This one's a flying fish. We've got a hammerhead, which looks like a hammerhead shark. A lamprey, which again looks... Like a fish. A uh, living ship, which it's got sails on it. That it looks, looks like, like a pirate ship with That wings. looks like the ship from um, the latest Thor movie, Love and Thunder. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, Nautiloid, which is one that's... Nautiloid, yeah, not the Nautilus. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a Nautilus. They just called it Nautiloid. Yeah, it's it's the mollusk-looking thing. It's yeah. so creepy looking. It even has a tentacle weapon. So do I. They don't. Um, uh, and it's all the same. I mean, the yeah. the details of of the um, of the ships are different, but the layout is the same. You get the same generic information. Exactly. Right? Yeah, the same stat block and the same information, same drawings. When same they list. have a unique weapon or feature, it gets featured very exactly. briefly. But yeah, I'm looking at you get half a page of information on this ship. Yeah, and that's, that's it. it. Half the page is art, or a third to half is art. The rest of it is the explanation. Then you got one page that's the ship. Layout. Yeah, so you can actually build this on one by one grid. Right? Yeah, so, exactly. All right. Uh, you got a night spider ship, which looks like a black widow spider. Okay, and that would be the Neogi ship. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you got a scorpion ship. Again, looks like a scorpion. Hence the scorpion chair. Yep. Uh, Shrike ship, which is quite small. That looks like the ship that they had in. Was it Ragnarok? Thor Ragnarok. Mm, I've got, yeah, like the little skip. There's definitely some Marvel. I mean, how many different styles of ships can you have? Really, like, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not really saying, hey, it's a Marvel book. I mean, but, also, it also kind of looks like the ship that's over the Sarlacc pit. And, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like a skiff so, there. Yeah. Uh, Space Galleon is what it says on the tin. It's a pirate ship. 
There, yeah, floating through space and three masts and a red dragon chasing it. Oh, and the art, yeah, that's kind of neat. Very cool. Squid ship again, like it sounds. Star moth, love like it sounds. Like it sounds. Turtle ship, my personal favorite. Um, it's literally a turtle, and then the tyrant ship, which is literally a dead space tyrant. That is cool. It's got. Oh, like... sorry, I was wrong. It's carved out of stone. Beholders carved them out of stone using disintegration rays. Yeah, but, but it looks like a tyrant. This thing, Beholder. this thing, uh, you know what I'm going to do in my own personal campaign is I'm going to have one of these fuckers hover over a city because there's an actual beholder layer on the inside yes, there of this is. crazy thing, yeah. and it looks like a beholder. So creepy, so cool. I like all of this. This is great. Oh, it's great stuff. It's beautiful art. Yeah, like there's nothing not to like about them. Um, wasp ship, and then that's the end of our ships, and that's the end of the chapter. So, what's interesting about this section is considering that we got playable options at first, we got essentially a, here's what the words mean, and then yeah. here are the playable options, and then here are here's how travel and movement and ships work, and yet we got a long list of ships, which is great. Yeah. We didn't get a whole lot of how to maneuver up and down. Here's a DM tip for working in three-dimensional yeah, space. Yeah, no, there's nothing like there's that. There's nothing like that. And and as much as the astral plane, the astral sea itself, is two-dimensional, the wild space spheres are not. Yeah. And there's nothing in there for any of that shit. Again, this feels like the information that we get is good, but there's not enough. Not enough of the specifics. Yeah, there, there's not enough of the of the crunch. Every word that's here feels good. Not the Hadozi shit, but like everything else feels good. But there's just not enough on uh, to properly run a full campaign out of this. Out no. of like a homebrew campaign. You're gonna have to be doing a lot of lifting yourself. I really do feel like this book requires you to have. Um, the Monsters of the Multiverse, the yeah. DMG, oh, absolutely. as well as the Ghost of Salt Marsh, to be able to figure it all out, right? So, I don't know. Uh, let's let's take a look at the next thing. Okay, and that brings us to Chapter 3, The Rock of Brawl. The Rock of Brawl seems to be a giant meteor with fins, with a giant cityscape on top of it. The artwork shows some farmland, a castle... A large lake on here for some reason. And then a bunch of just like standard village. This does not feel like a full city. It feels like a large scale medieval town. Yeah, that's exactly the vibe I get. Um, this is not water deep. Not no, by a damn sight. No, this is a small hamlet. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Brawl is a city built on an asteroid. Its inhabitants who hail from the many worlds typically refer to Brawl as the Rock. Um, also known as Dwayne Johnson. Uh, so the information that we get about it is essentially the past and present. So you get a decent spread, about a half a page, on the um, history and the current state of the city itself. Uh, what life on the rock is, including how they keep order and what to do with serious crimes. And then there's a who's who of um, the prince and his court, some under barons. And see, this is where they're always good is coming up with NPCs. Yeah. The problem is they then give you one or two sentences about them. This really interesting, flavorful NPC. Here's the most important information. Everything Fill in else the is, blanks yourself. Yeah. Everything else is up to you, um, which is great for people that like to write. Yeah. And it's annoying for people that want it's to just for people plug like and me. play. Yeah. Um, uh, how to get your bearings, the high city, and it, the high city is broken down. This is very reminiscent, the breakdown of... Um, what we've seen in the Eberron book, 
where it gives you this section. Right, yeah. And then here are the main highlights which of this section, right? So in the high city, you have Starhaven, which is um, the palace, right? And the lake itself, like, bro, there are festival grounds and the arena. There's a library of the spheres, right? And so there's all these bits and pieces. And each of them get a paragraph, if that. And, like, yeah. two-sentence paragraphs. Yeah, they're small. Um, if you go to the temple district, you can get different helpful spells, like Commune, Legend Lore. Hey, that's the hey. name of the series. Um, lesser Restoration, Raise Dead, Remove Curse, and Scrying, as well as how much of a, quote-unquote, donation it costs to yeah. get it, which you should be prepared to spend um, $2,000 to Raise Dead, and that is not Resurrection. That is yeah, Raise, raise Dead. dead. Um, and, uh, yeah, 250 gold pieces to remove a curse. Which always feels too cheap to me. I feel like curses get the short end of the stick. Anyway, uh, Middle City has the Donjon, which is always fun for me to see. Uh, Great Market. Um, There's a guild house. The Jugglers Folk Guild House. Um, The Smith's Coster. So it looks like they've got... There's a tavern list. And the Low City's got docks. The Mercane Agency. Mercanes are giants. So... Um, and just gonna gloss over the uh, happy beholder there. Well, frankly, just based on the art itself, it looks like uh, Large Luigi, the proprietor of the happy beholder, is delighted to meet new patrons. And here is my fucking problem with beholders in general in fifth edition: is beholders supposed to be these weird paranoid creatures, and yet they're guild bosses and yeah. bartenders and stuff, just because. They're getting goblin treatment now, mm-hmm. right? Where goblins used to be scary in previous editions, and now they're pets. Now they're just part of the yeah. culture. The fact that you can get a gazer um, as a familiar yeah. is wild to me. Um, now, I've done that in my own campaign, but it's not a good thing. This gazer is a pet that like really destroys shit. And it's going to go off at any second. Yeah. You're walking so, around with a time bomb. Exactly. A cute, hilarious time bomb, but a time bomb. Uh, and then on the last page of this book, we get uh, the underside of the rock. We get a little bit of some detail there, including... Oh, the underside of it is apparently just huge farmland. Well, there's a citadel, there's fields, there's a naval base, there's prisoner barracks. There's actually... So... I mean, horizontal plane again, right? So yeah, it's just, absolutely. Why not? Um, and then we have... This is where you get your beautiful map. I, Are you going to tear it out? I always tear them out, and I always regret it afterwards. Mine's still sitting in my book. Is it? Yeah. It's so pretty. The coloring it's is so pretty. gorgeous. I've looked at the online version. Yeah. Just to get an idea of the art. It is absolutely gorgeous. You know, I've been thinking about putting some of the D&D art up in this room yeah. where we record. When that day comes, I will rip it out. I ripped out the the map for um, Candlekeep Mysteries when we mm, did that yeah. so that Dan and I could look at it. He was like, I'm going to put this up on my wall. Then his kids got to it and tore the shit out of it. Oh, no. And there's like a coffee stain on it because he left it on his desk. Brutal. And so, you know, we don't do that anymore. No. Um, so I'm I'm very hesitant to pull the, the map on this one out, um, especially for a box set as not cheap as this one is. Um, so that's the Astral Adventures guy. I'm going to set that aside. And let's jump into the Booze Astral Menagerie. All right, so Booze Astral Menagerie. Brad, you did the last one. You start off the last one, so I'm going to start off this one, if you don't mind. Um, this is your monster manual. It's got uh, Minsk and Boo riding a what looks like Solar Dragon. Yeah, I believe that's... And again, there's a whole bunch of like weird, blinky-looking fish. 
It's like a blink dog if it was a fish. Yeah. And uh, is that the nautiloid in the background exploding? I think that's, is it or is it the spider one? Maybe it's the spider one. It's hard to tell. Okay, so opening it up. I love opening a book. <laughs> so we have Boo attacking you on the cover yeah, page. Fantastic little piece of art. Yeah, that's that's freaking adorable. I kind of want that as my like computer background. Yeah. Let's see who wrote this one. Uh, project lead and writer is Chris Perkins. Uh, rules developer is Jeremy Crawford. I have thoughts about that. Um, there is an alt cover for this. It's it's Boo just frowning at you um, with the aberration on the back. Um, a Hydro 74 captures the fierce, no-nonsense glare of Boo, um, the multiverse's most famous space hamster, and just a cosmic horror graces the back cover. Um, disclaimer. Squeak, squeak. Translation in brackets. You're on Boo's turf now, world hugger. Unless you want a hamster knuckle sandwich, you better watch where you're spell jamming, and before you blow up a nautiloid, make sure there are no space hamsters aboard it. Otherwise, prepare to face the wrath of Boo. Fantastic. That's so cute, it hurts. And then the contents page is, uh, this is literally just 64 pages of monsters. Uh, there's a brief introduction for what looks like half a page uh, of what creatures are A to Z, or Z, if you're from the land of imperialism. Um, and then, yeah, oh, and a quick breakdown of astral variants, how to use a stat block, and astral encounters. The how to use a stat block, I think, is an interesting thing to add, and it's important, and they should do it, at the beginning of every, every one of these, one. because yeah. it might be the first book somebody picks up, right? All right, so we're just going to flip through, grab the ones that grab you. Again, another adorable picture of Boo the Space Hamster. Oh, yeah, this is the creature's Ada Z. Yeah, this is just kind of the introduction page. Um, Unusual attacks and magic. And then stat blocks by challenge rating, so if you don't want to go through them alphabetically, Beauty. you know which page to go through. Uh, CR0, the first one is Twinga. Great, we get more Twingas. Uh, all the way to an ancient solar dragon at CR20. All right. So, oh, we don't get anything bigger than a Not CR20. Not than 20. Interesting. No I really would... big bads in this. Do we have a lot of tier two or tier... We don't. No, like... not at all. Oh, sorry, well, we have a lot of tier two, tier one and tier two. But not tier... a lot of tier three no. and four. You got a real steep drop off after 10. Yeah. Shit. Uh, yeah. There, there's not even a CR15 or 17. Nope. All right, it's... then. Big holes. Actually, you have a bunch of uh, D100 tables here as well for random encounters based on uh, the basically where you are. So if you're in the wild space, here's your table. If you're in Astral Sea, here's your table. What's interesting, though, is that these D100 tables aren't 100 options. They look like they're like 12 options. Yeah. They could have been D12 tables. They're D20s. Yeah. yeah, they could have been much smaller tables. But I guess they want to make some of them really rare and some of them more common. And that is a fair That is a fair. Argument. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then there's also an attitude roll, which is really interesting. So not only are you rolling on the D100 table to see what you come across, you then roll a D10 to see whether it's hostile, indifferent, or friendly. That's really interesting. I include that in my random encounter tables as well, is is the attitude of the creature you come across. Mine's a little bit more granular than just sure. hostile or friendly or, or neutral. Yeah. But like, I'm glad they're, or they're putting it's stuff here. in. Yeah, yeah. Even if something is chaotic evil... And it, it might be friendly to you while it figures out what you are. Yeah. Un until your barbarian pisses it off, right? So, or the bard tries to fuck it. Yeah. So. A, yeah. No matter its alignment, it's not going to necessarily want to kill you right away. Uh, we got a page of Artux. Uh, basically, plant creatures. Pretty cool. You got an elder, a priest, and a warrior. Oh, they're a whole race. They they're, are a whole race. Yeah. Artux, plant race. Neat. And they all look like spiky tentacles. 
To me, they look like starfish. Yeah. That's the vibe I get. Yeah, very cool. But they are considered plant-like. Um, astral elves, so you'll get a bunch of stat blocks for different types of astral elves. Sure, yeah, I cool. mean, like anything. Um, well, this is kind of cool. A Braxat. A big, towering dinosaur, basically. I think it's armadillo-ish. It's, a, it's giant, which is cool. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, uh, one basic otter gnome, another kind of giant. An actual giant, some fish. No, that was a chewing Oh, that was a chewing You're right, riding a fish. The Twinga astronaut, Jesus. Uh, just the one stat block, though, for Twinga. Well, we've got 900 other Twingas, and they're all annoying, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, Cosmic Horror is just a general stat block. Make it oh, it's a specific doing. entity. It is. Oh, interesting. I mean, you could probably flavor it in any way you want, but Colossal Malevolent Entities. I'm sorry. Oh, it's still Gargantuan. Still Gargantuan. You said, you said Colossal. That's what I got... it says in the book, but yeah, no, you're yeah, right. That's, 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 a, is Gargantuan. that's a flavor text thing. I got so excited for a half second there. Yeah. God damn it. My favorite here are the Doars. These guys are basically Jawas, but they look like penguins. God damn it. They're penguins who are, they are traders. They are dealers of whatever they can get their hands on. They are Jawas. I just look like penguins. That, I don't even know how to handle that. I don't know how to handle it. What are they? Are they humanoid? No. Uh, small fae. They're fae. Yeah. Great. Of any alignment. of Fae traders. That sounds like something that you, you're going to fall into the wrong group oh, with this. So. Like, oh, hey, happy penguin people. No, they're here. This is how you lure your players. Yeah, they, they're here for Look at these shit. adorable penguins that want yeah. to trade with you. Yeah. No, absolutely adorable. Um, This one's just called an aesthetic, which is a gargantuan aberration. I don't even know what to make it. It looks like a jellyfish. Yeah, it does. Eye monger, which, again, large, ab- like, aberrations abound. Good. Obviously. This is what I wanted, right? Yeah, I'm all over. Here's another one, right? We got just pages and pages of all sorts of different aberration monsters. Fair, which... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Pronounced fear. Yeah. Spelled F-E-Y-R, but pronounced fear. And then we got a page for GIF, different ty- archetypes for the GIF. Yeah, that's very fun. I mean, you're going to find these on your ships. So there's one for shipmates. Yeah. Warlords, things like that. Uh, page dedicated to a different GIF. GIF Yankee. Yeah, but only the GIF Yankee because, of course, the, the GIF <clears throat> the Rye are over in Limbo, right? Yeah. So they won't be on the Astral Sea so much. So. Uh, how does he, again, different uh, archetypes for them? Yeah. Leeches. Just jammer. Uh, a jammer space, leech. Okay. Space leeches. Sure. Um, Kindori are the whales. Yeah. That just float through space. Uh, lunar dragons. We're oh, we get multiple these, pages right? of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These will get their own episodes because yeah. Pepperina and Terry will have their their claws into these guys. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get multiple pages with it. Like the dragons actually you go into, you get their effects, regional effects. Different ages of dragons, like the typical yeah, dragon. Yeah, what you would expect, yes. Um, Megapede, which is exactly what it sounds like, giant centipede. That's also the name, never mind. Yeah. Um, Mercanes, so another mercantile kind of giant. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Uh, murder Comet. The fuck is a Murder Comet? Should we get, let's get into this one a little All bit. All right. Evil spellcasters create Murder Comets by combining the essence of Earth Elementals with that of Fire Elementals. Oh, so it's literally just a comet. Yeah. But it's got a face in the art. Yeah, well, because it's designed by elementals and it's made to look... Or by wizards using elementals. And it's made to terrify. Um, and it gets a full attack. What right? uh, what kind of creature is it? It is considered an elemental. I understand why, but, I mean, traditionally speaking, if it's built by a wizard, it should be a monstrosity. Uh, yes. But 
They are technically They did elementals. take two elementals and smash them together. Yeah, they did this kind of shit for a lot of the stuff in uh, Ravnica as well. Yeah. Where it was creatures that were constructed out of elementals. And right. so they're not considered to be monstrosities. Yeah. So, okay, fair enough. Uh, these things explode when you get them to zero hit points. Cool. Excellent. I do Always love death like effects. Yeah. yeah. Uh, flyby, it doesn't provoke opportunity attacks. It sheds bright light. Uh, it's considered to be a siege monster, so it does double damage to objects and structures. Your ships, obviously, is what the primary target is going to be. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, and it has a multi-attack with slam or spitting fire. Okay. So, that's what these things are. I like that they actually have a little bit of a range attack, like they spit fire. How, how big are they? They are considered medium. Oh, they're, so they're... Which is wild for... A, I mean, it's not an asteroid. I guess it is a comet. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. But the... I mean, I'm still going to make it 10 feet, right? Yeah. Like, oh, that's absolutely. still technically medium. Maximum. Yeah, the top yeah. end of your medium. Yeah. I mean, to make it large also wouldn't really cause much trouble if you wanted to make it bigger. Yeah. Um, and then last one I'll cover here, one more abjur- abjuration is a nethalagu. Oh, an aberration. Yes. The, sorry, the nethalagu. 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 Oh, my God. Cool. I like this. Yeah, this really is, cool. This is Cthuloid. They're brain collectors. This is Cthuloid. I mean, the art lorry has this eyed monster with crab claws holding a brain. Neat. This is what the, this is Big Daddy Intellect Devour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it even has an attack action specifically called Extract Brain. That's very um, Mind Flare-ish. Yeah, right? so if you go to zero hit points, it just kills you by extracting and consuming your brain. All right, cool. Here, I'll take over and we'll run through the next bit. This is... Are these actually, sorry, are they actually, it doesn't say anything here about them having anything to do with Mind Flayers. Weird. I think it's implied. I, well, maybe they don't interact. Maybe they're their own thing that just are yeah, a branch of. From from the same area of, yeah, yeah okay, neat. Next to the uh, Neogi or Neoji, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Uh, these are, they're spider people with long necks and, and faces and they're kind of furry and kind of spiky and... We already have the um, elder, and or I think it's just a normal one, and like yeah. a hatchling. I think are the two that we have in um, uh, Mordenkainen Presents. I think it's I think it's a monster the multiverse. One, yeah. um, they were definitely in Tomb of Foes before, uh, but now we get the hatchling swarm, which is terrifying. The pirate, the swarm is CR three. Uh, the pirate and the void hunter. Then we get stat blocks for plasmoids. I still don't know how I feel about them, uh, especially because this one's holding a gun. I mean, that's fantastic, but it's the art is neat. This is wild. I yeah. don't know how to feel about this as a DM. They don't interest me personally. What the fuck is this? Sirlons. Sirlons are medium aberrations. They are lawful evil, typically. I'm getting Doctor Who vibes from these, and I don't know why. Uh, because they're they, because they look like they would be puppets, like big yeah. practical effect puppets. They're essentially worms with... Do they have a face on either end? No. Oh. That one has a face on its ass. It does have a mouth on its ass. There's no eyes. It's just a mouth. And they've got, like, pitchfork hands. Yeah. But other than that, they've got six legs and then two pitchfork. This is a bizarre-looking thing. Very neat. I'm excited to get a mini of that and drop it on the (laughs) thing. Yeah, right. Um, We've got uh, Rhaegar, Rhaegar, androgynous folk who evolved into humanoid shape from a species of cephalopod. Uh, similar to octopi, looking Medusa esque in the art. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. They can summon Golem as a as a action, hold breath. Um, 
They have special equipment. They wear a Talarith. The fuck is a Talarith? It's a wondrous item. Uh, if they create this piece of jewelry, they choose a form bracelet, brooch, uh, diadem, or necklace. And while it wears it, any weapon wielded by the rearguard deals an extra 1d6 force damage when it hits. Damn. All right. It's useful. Yeah, and that's what they use to actually summon these these golems. Uh, scavers. Space sharks. Space sharks. There are a few different versions. Brown, gray, night, and void. Um, and then we get the solar dragons. Uh, these are typically neutral. The lunar are typically evil. These are typically yes. neutral. There's no, no good. There's no good out here. No. Um, but just vicious looking, colorful art. Very yeah. cool. I really do love the art. Oh, the eggs. Look at those. Yeah, finally. I noticed the lunar um, yeah. dragon had some egg art as well. Very happy. We didn't yes. get enough in the in the Fizzbands book. Um, then we have space clowns and space eels. You know what? Fuck it. I'm getting into the space clown nonsense. Because they look like they look like rejects from a haunted event at, at your local like yeah um, your local carnival. So space clowns are the inhabitants of a wild space system known as clown space. Fuck right off. The humans who once inhabited the system's three ring shaped worlds. Fuck right <laughs> off. Placed their faith in a god of revelry. Their worship ceremonies were centered on festivals and frivolity. Over time, the people's happiness hinged on the ever-increasing consumption of an elixir called Thrilljoy. Um, only after they became addicted did they discover that the priests of their faith had distilled the elixir from demonic ichor and the nectar of the bozo flower. The bozo, bozo. flower. Fuck off. Demon clowns. I can't tell if I love this or hate it. They're, they they, they are like they're fiends. Ripped, they were ripped right out of Wild from Beyond the Witch Light. Yeah, yeah. They're medium fiends. They have, you know, acrobatics performance, sleight of hand. Uh, they have a dying burst. So that's, Okay, excellent. That's fun. More that. Squeakers. The clown wears shoes that squeak when it walks. <laughs> the squeak. This is, this is actual right in the stop block. Yeah, the squeaking can be heard out to a range of 30 feet. The squeaking is silence when the clown's phantasmal form is in effect. Ooh. So this isn't something that you just add to the character. All space clowns have this. Yeah, and... Phantasmal form is a bonus action. It veils itself and everything it's wearing and carrying in an illusion that makes it look like some other creature of its size or smaller. It says in brackets, such as a child or an object small enough to fit in the clown's space, such as a floating balloon. Now it's Pennywise. Yeah. Now they, it's Pennywise. They give away those, the squeaking. Yeah, that's that's neat. And has spider climb and shit. Too. Like, this is fun. Okay. I hate it, but I, I begrudgingly love it. I... Uh, space eel, space guppy. These are just space fish. Giant space hamster, space hamster. I love the fact that Boo is considered a giant space hamster, but it's actually a spider, but it is regular hamster size. No, uh, yes, regular hamster size, and and only Minsk can can understand him, yeah. and uh, and no one else thinks that he's actually a giant space right. hamster. They just assume it's a regular hamster. Yeah, the and, whole lore behind Minsk and Boo. If you haven't looked it up, do yourself a favor. Yeah, it's pretty fun. You so. can find enough of it free on the internet. Without even stealing stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, the, there's the space Molly Mock. Molly Mock. Molly Mock is... Uh, this just a small... Well, it's a seagull. It's a seagull, but Molly Mock is one of the characters from Critical Role. Oh, is and it? And so I feel like that's... that. I don't think this is an accident. Actually, no, my apologies. I remember I first looked at this and I was like, okay, that's a direct ripoff from Critical Role. No, apparently there is a bird called a Molly Mock. I guess that's just parallel thinking that... Yes. From, okay, cool. Space Swine, which is a warthog. I guess it's big. Yeah, it's a warthog with, with armor. 
Like it's, but it's it's unaligned. So I guess you could have this as a pet. I would one hundred percent have that as a mount. Um, what's a Suron? Uh, the, oh, these are lizard folk who've adapted to life in the arid climates and in wild space. You can use a lizard folk stack block in the monster manual to represent them. In addition to the variants described below, which is the Defiler and the Poisoner, and they've got longer necks, almost serpentine with like beaks it looks like yeah they look very twisted they're not your your traditional no. lizard folk starlight apparition we've got some thrycreen Ooh, that one looks like a monk vampirates <sighs> i don't even know how to feel about that and then last one is zodar who is a medium aberration um he looks like if um shit what was he called the robot from lost in space oh yeah. right yeah. except if it was just like one hard carapace all around and kind of spiky. Um, these are medium aberrations. A, he floats, he levitates. Disembodied voice, uh, transport inhibitor, so it can't be teleported away. It's a CR 16, so this thing is pretty deadly. Forced teleport is one of his actions. This feels, oh my god, as an action, wish. The Zodar casts the wish spell. Wow. Requiring no spell components and using charisma as the spell casting ability. After casting the spell, the Zodar returns or turns to dust and is destroyed. Oh, interesting. This, this is a Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. Jesus. Okay, so this is, it's a, it's a bipedal entity whose body is encased in an obsidian exoskeleton. There's no facial features aside from two narrow vertical slits. Neat. This also feels kind of Doctor Who. I would want to use it as a prison for like a powerful wizard or something like that. Yeah. He's imprisoned in the body. Oh, very cool. Um, typically neutral. So that's yeah. that's your saving grace there. Typically. Though, All right. Whatever you want. And that's the end of that one. So I guess it's your turn, Brad. Here's the Light of Xerxes. All right. So Light of Xerxes, this is your adventure module, your adventure path. Uh, fifth level adventure. Yep. Um. Art on the front is absolutely gorgeous. You got an astral elf in some really elaborate armor with a pet dragon of probably a lunar. That lo- that looks lunar. The other yeah. one, the other one in the cover of uh, the astral menagerie, looks definitely solar. feels lunar yeah. to me. Um, not much on the back, just your usual breakdown for a book. Yeah. Uh, your front cover is a set of dice uh, with, I assume, is the one is a skull because we see some sixes here. Well, we see oh, one on one there. So yeah. This is just one special day. I guess this is a specific kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's probably elaborated further in the book. We'll see if we find yeah. anything. Um, all right. Uh, project lead again, Christopher Perkins. Sure. We knew that was coming. Uh, writers, Justice Raymond Armin, Sadie Lowry, and Jeffrey Ludwig. I don't know if I recognize those. No, they sound vaguely them. familiar, but I, I can't quote that. Yeah, but... Um, what? How's the alternative covers? The alternative color cover we have... What looks like an astral elf, but with no armor or anything, just this uh, feminine face, blonde hair, and the rear cover looks like, I think, the Moth Starship. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, Princess Sedali is the name of the person um, who's on the front cover. Um, oh, and the back. So it looks like the Moth Starship, but apparently it's a symbol of the Xerixian Empire. Okay, so the three, the three alternative covers are a GIF. Boo, and then an astral elf. Yeah. Okay. So all obviously within theme. Um, and the character on the front page is Prince Zeleth, who is determined to become the next leader of the Xerxian Empire. Poses with his... Oh, it is a solar dragon. It definitely looked more lunar. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. Um, and the disclaimer. This adventure wreaks havoc with your beautifully imagined homebrewed campaign world. 
We hope that your players will care enough about your world to save it. But if not, may we present the Rock of Brawl as an alternative. Just remember to leave your vendettas at the docks. Okay. And then table of contents. We're going to get an introductory to Wild Space. Uh, part one is called Seeds of Destruction. Part two, Terrors of the Void. Part three, Chaos and Doom Space. And part four, Saviors of the Multiverse. Okay, so the way that we're going to do this is we're going to flip through the first half of the adventure and just go based off of kind of generally what the titles and the art give us for flavor. And then we're not going to spoil the end. No, of it, so. that's not. So um, just really quickly, and I think The Prince was one of those. Actually, I'm still not used to the glossy pages being so thick. Wild Space awaits. Yeah, I think, sorry, I think The Prince was one of the um, NPCs that was actually listed out earlier. Yes. In the other book. So adventure summary. Okay. This story revolves around the characters' efforts to save their home world from an attack by an empire of astral elves. Oh, so this is the bad guy. So this is Thor Dark World. We're just getting Thor, yeah. Thor, Thor all the way through this. So, um, The attack is underway when the adventure begins. After taking refuge aboard a spell jamming vessel, the characters head for the stars to discover who is responsible for the attack and how they can save their world. I think they just need a MacBook and they can just plug it in yeah, to the mothership. Is that? There we go. <laughs> um, USB key, but keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, adventure structure, uh, part one, part two, part three, part four. The Saviors of the Multiverse. Sure. Okay. Couldn't say Guardians of the Galaxy. No, so they the Sagan. Um, so, the first chapter is your Galleon. Um, so, this is character creation bits, where to begin, character advancement, advancements, starting characters. This is good DM information. Um I don't know why this wouldn't have been in the other book. I think because this is a specific campaign setting, right? I think this is made to be almost like a standalone book. But it says things like, If spacefaring races are common on your world, you can add backgrounds and races from the Astral Adventurer's Guide to the list of characters. You can, right? right? But, like, to put that in that book, right? Like, yeah. don't... I think the idea here is that you're supposed to be able to take this one and include it in any setting. Yeah... But, I mean, you're going to buy this but book with the other ones. You have series. to. You yeah. don't have a choice. So, yeah. it's kind of uh, silly. This gets you... Okay, so it's one chapter per level. Fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. So, it's a tier uh, two adventure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Solidly in tier two. Uh, so, the art looks almost apocalyptic for the for part one. I do like the, the bold. That feels very, like... Yeah. Like, pulp. It does. Um, I, it, I don't know. I really like the splash page for chapter one, Astral Rain. Uh, Astral Blights, you fight the Blights. Is that a Prince song? <laughs> no, no, Astral Rain is not a Prince song. It's funny, I made a Prince joke. This is a call forward for like three months from now. Maybe even longer. I made a Prince joke in the in the GIF episode. That's fantastic. So that's bizarre that we both went there. Um, it's weird that we have vines. The ambulatory vines are six Astral Blights. See the accompanying stat block. And here we go. Why did they give us another kind of blight? But it's not part of... I, I hate when they do this, when it's not part of the monster section. They just drop stat blocks in the middle Specific. of adventures. They do it everywhere. Yeah, and I just... It makes it difficult to find shit. This encourages people to use D&D Beyond, so you can look it up, or to straight up pirate PDFs. Yeah. So you can scroll quickly and try to find what you're looking for. Right? Um, danger in the streets, trouble at the docks. Emergency airlift, possible ending. Jesus, that's short. Yeah. That's really short. You got your whole adventure over in two pages. Yeah. Well, you flip the page. It's three. It's literally three pages. 
and it ends with an emergency airlift. I'm assuming this is just the intro portion. Yeah, though. this has got to be like your yeah, you session one. There's a you fight guards, astral blights, uh, neutral evil veteran, and ten thugs at level five, and then I feel like then the actual adventure. Yeah, portions. but that's yeah. maddening. That whole three pages was supposed to get you from level five to, to level six. six. Yeah, that's a bit intense. Yeah, I, I this don't... isn't level one where you level up on your first session. No, it, it that feels too short. You really have to flesh out that apocalyptic feeling. I would not start my session here. I would do Mines of Fandelver or um, Dragon Heist so that you're... Well, those get you to level five, right? Yeah, they're going to get you up to that level and they're going to give you a basis of where you're from. Yeah. And so you have an actual emotional connection to this location before you invade from space. Yeah. Right? And I then, actually presented this book as an option to my party that just finished Fandelver. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Unfortunately, they wanted to go a different direction because I was really excited to do this. but they Well, they're wrong and well, they're bad people. They're new players. I had some pity. I wanted I, them to I stick have, around. I have never pitied a new player. <laughs> I wanted them to stick around. Um, all right. What do we have for chapter two? All right. Two? Chapter two, Attack of the Star Moth. We've got a uh, pirate captain here. Is it a Githyanki? No, no, it's, it's an astral, astral elf. elf. Yeah, These are all going to be astral elves. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. There's a whole section called "When Elves Attack." When elves, yeah, right. All right. Um, I feel like this was written by a dwarf. <laughs> you've got a pirate flump here, named Flapjack. I hate it. I hate it so much. I love it. You and Dan, I'm telling you, nothing wrong with a flump. Um, you're going to get. The Moon Dancer, right? Layout of their ship, which is called the Moon Dancer. Okay, cool. I mean, Astral Elf makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh, here you go. How to do... Oh, no. I thought it was actually giving us some instructions on ship to ship battle, but it just says, refer to chapter two of the other book. Oh, good. So right. thank you, which was also incredibly short. Yep. Um, dealing with other ships, questioning the Astral Elves, questioning the Hadazis, and yeah, so you're going to go through... Travis takes over, so apparently someone else is going to go. And then you head off to the Rockaball Brawl. I feel like this is a mutiny. Does it... Yeah, it's got that vibe to it here. I'm not diving too deep, but yeah, it sounds like yeah. something's going over there. You take, take over the ship. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mind flares, question mark. Oh, good. As you get close to the rock, you're going to encounter some mind flares. The mind flares should never be a question mark. You just need a mind flare in every campaign. Yeah. And that's the end of that chapter. So again, there's a Holy whole... Shit. So again, we had, what, three pages? Four pages this time for a whole level. Are we are we looking at this correctly? Because we haven't gone through enough of the book yet. So chapter one was... Uh, I'm sorry, I gotta go back. Yeah. Part one, Seed of Destruction. Oh, there are multiple... Oh, multiple so chapters in a part. Oh, okay, gotcha. that makes more okay. sense. All right. Oh, okay. Good, 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 good. Thank oh. goodness. That was confusing. All right, so then, so this is the end of part one, chapter three. This is some Tolkien level fucking yeah. breakdowns. Okay, so uh, the Lucent Edict uh, looks like there's a Nautiloid um, called the Lucent uh, Edict. Yeah. yeah. Um, exploring it, what you find, it looks like a little bit, a very short dungeon crawl. Which, Jeez, that's terrifying. That is a really cool picture. It is. That's that brain eater. Yeah. Um, Yogi Raiders. And then Terrors of the Void Part Two. Um, okay, cool. So again, they're they're broken down really, really granularly, almost yeah. so that you're going to get a different set piece for each one of these. I don't hate that. No, this I... is not a forty-five section dungeon crawl no. like we get in some of the other books. You're getting a lot of action is happening quickly. Here. Yeah. 
Um, You're going from act, from set piece to set piece. There's um, the mess hall contains Nathalgu. See the monster sure. one. Yeah. Um, uh, there's Gith Yankee. There are corpses. There's Quagoth. Bunch of different kind of treasure and supplies. There's one <laughs> one detail about stench. Okay, Excellent. so cool. Okay, there's there's some neat kind of aberration weird flavors, and then we'll get into part two. Perfect. So part two starts. A friend indeed is the name of the first chapter. Um, Night Spider dead ahead. That's a Yogi ship. Yep. Um, to the rescue, so it's going to be approaching you, um, and you have a choice whether you kill them or um, let them go. And has some uh, some get the Yankee on board, some bandits, and how does he? Okay, and a human mage, which is interesting. Um, and then you have finally get to the rock, right? Okay. So you were the last chapter. You were kind of the last chapter is escaping where you are, right, yeah. And then and then this one is so uh, now you're at the rock. You're sure. going to meet a whole bunch of people. Act two of a four-act play. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, find a new ship, because I guess yours is probably in rough shape. Um, and, yeah, so you got a bunch of characters here that you're going to meet. And it looks like your mission is to go to the edge of the wild space. Okay, so right. you're getting out of your souls. You're not in the astral plane or the astral sea yet. That's right. Well, you're in the astral plane. And you're not yeah. in the astral sea yet. Correct. So you're still in wild space. Probably. This is actual space. Yeah, you're trying to get out of to yeah. the edge of the wild space. Interesting, they've got two things here. Uh, when you meet somebody, victory or defeat. So there's separate things. And here in chapter four, or here in chapter four, there's oh. two ways that it can end. Neat. Okay, cool. So they actually have, you know, descriptive endings based on. I I like that. I think that's that's the better way of going about it. Um, Choose your own adventure style. Yeah. And then chapter five, living on the edge. I'm not going to bust into Aerosmith. I'm sorry. We're just going to move along. Um, oh, you run into space whales. Um, There's a house on the back of the whale. I think we saw this in some of the art earlier. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a little wizard's tower. It's like a three-level wizard's tower with a, a telescope in the top of it. Um, and then we get a tour of the tower, sure, obtaining a map. There's a section called, oh, mama. Oh, boy. Are we sure it wasn't edible? Is that? No, it's edible. No, edible. Okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. Edible. Um, and then the belly of the beast. Old... I feel like you should read this book after an edible. Uh, <laughs> There's Old Flame. Oh, the art for this is cool. It looks like one yeah. of these space sharks attacking a little rowboat. And a, th- this really feels Moby Dick. Yeah. In space. Uh, Gargan Hale's fleet appears. In a section called The Last Breath, which is uh, the Will-O-Wisp. Uh, so you're you're following a Will-O-Wisp for a part of this? There's the vampirates are around. Gray scavers, which of course are the shark creatures. Uh, so, like, there's a lot of cool... There's a lot of cool little bits and pieces here. You're yeah. really getting a tour of what the other books have to offer. And I feel like the reason the other books are so light is because they are merely just supporting this short adventure. Yeah, yeah this is definitely made to support kind of one story. Yeah. But they realized that they didn't have what they needed in the yeah. existing material, so they needed to add the supplements. Yeah. Chapter 6 is called Grave Alliance, so you're going to come across another ship. I uh, think this might be a vampire yeah, and the fact that the ship has a whole bunch of like holes. Oh in yeah, it. vampire captain. Yeah, it's a get it grave alliance. Yeah. Um, how to parlay with another sh- with this ship? How come whenever pirates show up, everybody suddenly remembers the word parlay? Yeah. And nobody knew it before Johnny Depp brought it into our vocabularies. Yeah. But now it's part of the. Yeah, it's part of the social consciousness now, yeah. and it's it's very strange. Anyways. 
uh, section here called Mutiny. So there's yay more mutinies. How to give chase, boarding the other ship, and yeah. the last bit ends with look a princess. Spoilers. Uh, is she in another castle? Doesn't look like it. <laughs> All right, so um, I think that's the end of yeah we, chaos and doom space part three. Now we're not going to get into this. Um, chapter seven is called trust issues. This is where yeah. it's going to get spoilery. So just really quickly flipping through, um, I feel like we're getting uh, a specific oh, space. Yeah, a specific wild space system called Doom Space, which we'll be exploring. There is a lot of interesting societal bits. You're like you're going to run into things you've never seen before, um, and it looks. It reminds me kind of. I'm getting a vibe of if you were to go see the collector from Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to blitz through the rest of this book just because we're going to hit it by the broad strokes here. Yeah. Um, I, again, we're getting more astral elf stuff because, of course, they're the main antagonists. Saviors of the Multiverse looks really cool art. Yeah. Um, more apocalyptic where everything has been kind of bright. Yeah. We're, we're getting, getting dark, into dark, dark and yeah. gritty. Um, and we see that through a lot of the. Everything since, like, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden yeah. gets darker as it goes. Um, chapter 10 is called Space Invaders, which makes me giggle. Xerixis uh, uh, Space. Xerixis Space. Yeah. So there's another there's another wild space system, which is cool. Um, a really flavorful citadel with the Temple of Light. Uh, and like so on and so forth. The, the light of Xerixis is the end of this. Um, and then, oh, that's... Uh, an apocalyptic event. Excellent. On the last page, we're not going to spoil it, but it is, uh, it's big and it's nasty. It's, uh, a full space adventure. Like, this does feel a little bit like something you could make a blockbuster movie out of. Yeah. Right? I legitimately want to run this. Yeah. I would play this. Yeah. I'm not wild. Okay. I'm not crazy about, uh, I don't want to say wild. Uh, I'm not crazy about... Spelljammer in general. This feels really neat and really cool. And let's... Okay, let's roll dice. Twelve. All right, a six. So the first question I have for you are, what are your overall impressions of the content? Like you said, it's broad but not deep. Yeah. Um, I think is probably the best way to describe it. I think there's a lot of really interesting things here, but I want more of it. Yeah, it's a very large puddle. Yeah, it's left a lot to your imagination. Which, for some people, is good. For DMs like me, who like to run right out of the books, you're left with a lot of blanks to fill. Yeah, you're doing some heavy lifting, but you're not doing heavy lifting like you have to do in some sections of Storm King's Thunder, which it just says, you know, you go over here and you're on the road for a while, here's some random encounters, figure some sessions out, right? Yeah. And that, that's a portion of the campaign. There's also, I can't remember which one it is, where you go back and forth between the same three towns, Ugh. like seven times in a chapter. Gross. There's just like a lot of back and forth for clearly no real reason. They could be different parts of the same city. And yeah. They just wanted you to be filler. out there. and yeah. Exactly. So I don't feel like it's filler. No, this this is all killer. No, Like I actually, this, the adventure module portion, I think is really interestingly laid out. And I don't think you're going to have a hard time as a DM kind of getting from beat to beat. I also think that what they've given us as far as the monster version, the, the booze menagerie, yeah. um, I feel like they've given us things like space clowns and these other intelligent races that are out there, 
which didn't seem to be featured in this book. Mm-hmm. However, you can replace the vampires or the astral elves, oh, any one of these, right? Yeah. So you do have options to easily homebrew this specific adventure. But like I said, this feels like they have this adventure they wanted to tell, and it is a good one. Yeah. And they wrote just barely enough material to support it. Yeah. And with a whole bunch of ship options and a whole bunch of... It was wild how many ship options they had. Yeah, like there's a ton of ship options, and there's a ton of monsters that aren't included in this, yeah. which makes me feel like they were... It doesn't feel like filler. It feels like they were expanding this campaign setting, but they didn't do enough. Like, it's... Yeah. Because... You because have a really hard time sea, making a whole homebrew out of this content. Yeah, because the Astral Sea is so... So empty and like it, it's voids of space and whatnot it's going to be very difficult for you to do landscapes and random encounters unless you're working off the same tables over and over again yeah what's not mentioned anywhere in here weirdly to me is where's the astral dreadnought yeah right i didn't see hiding her hair of this thing right no. and it that should have been a plot point in here that should have been featured on a cover that is the astral sea enemy yeah. right the gith got in here but the astral dreadnought didn't right there wasn't a whole lot of mind flayer stuff which we get mind flayers elsewhere in other campaigns so i don't really miss that for this um we already seen that this is new content but it's in fact an interesting amount of new mind flayer adjacent content yeah a lot of aberrations that are in the same theme the same conversation but are not illithids themselves right uh how do you feel about the artwork in this absolutely gorgeous it's the highlight yeah they have knocked it out of the park yeah. Like I said at the top of the show, this is a set you would want on your shelf if you're a collector. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And, uh, all right. So, what grade do you give it overall? B? Yeah. Yeah. B minus. I feel like, okay. Break it out by the books. All right. So, yeah. so how do you feel about just the, um, oh shit, we didn't even cover this. It's a DM screen. There is a DM screen. The DM screen. It's very purple. Very purple. And let's just speak into artwork before we get you've into it. you got ships, you've got sharks, you've got... Yeah, we got whales, we've got... Um, the information on the inside of it is how to set a DC, skills and associated abilities, uh, suffocating, weightlessness, little map of the astral plane, as well as how air and gravity work, astral encounters, they've got wild space encounters... Oh, they got random encounter tables yeah, on here. Yeah, decent amount, as well as ship to ship starting distance, crashing rules, shipboard tasks, ship quirks, ship cargo, cheap cargo, and expensive cargo. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. That's okay. It's very specific to the setting, but that's nothing wrong with that. And the art feels like it's almost like watercolors. Yeah, like it, it's stunning. Yeah, it it is really cool. It's not quite in the same sharp vein as the rest yeah. of it, but but still very cool. Of all of the DM screens, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. So when it comes to you, you said you overall a B B minus maybe. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the um, Astral Adventures Guide, the DMG. Yeah, I mean, that's where we're get we're at like a C grade on that. It's really dragging us down, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's. The low light of the collection. Uh, Booze Astral Menagerie? This is where we're into that kind of B-minus 
Yeah. Grade. It's a monster manual. It's a monster manual. There's some really cool monsters in there. Yep, but it's not yeah. giving me anything. I'm not getting that Volo's lore dump that no, I want out of a yeah. monster manual. But, like, again, they, they hyper-focus on dragons. Yeah. And they have one big theme, and that's aberrations. And yeah. then other than that, we got a plant. We got yeah. a... A few things. Uh, uh, here. Yeah. Right. They, they ticked a number of boxes and then moved yeah. on. What about the Light of uh, Xerixis? Originally, when I first kind of picked up the books and flipped through them, it was my least interesting. But now that I've actually gone through and read some of the pages, I'm going to give this... This is, you know, an A-. minus. This is somewhere between B and A. Like, this is this is the highlight of this collection, actually, to me. Um, I'm going to hard agree with you. Uh, I, I'm i going to give this a C plus. Yeah. Honestly, because I'm a little bit harsher on the Adventures Guide. I agree with you. The Light of uh, Xerxes is something I would actually be excited to play if you dm this and yeah. and we can keep it to a handful of months yeah i would i would jump into this I mean, this is a fifth eighth level adventure like this is isn't designed to go years right this is yeah, yeah. you start at the beginning of the summer and you end by christmas right? yeah like um and I, i'm all over it that is the kind of thing that is easily consumable for me as a player because i got a busy fucking life yeah so. um then the astral menagerie is it's a monster manual. It is average. It yeah. sits solidly in a B. Yeah. Right? I, I there's get, nothing explicitly wrong with it, but there's also nothing about it that's like, wow, that was fantastic. Yeah. I, and again, I'd have to dig into specific stat blocks. A lot of them feel like they're getting more unique. Yeah. But they would in this setting, right? Like, you're not in a jungle where everything's kind of the same feel. Right. Right? Um, but the Astral Adventures Guide... <sighs> This is more, it, it just feels like the Infernal Machines shit that we yeah. got before, right? Where I don't mind what they've given us. The content that they've provided. I said, give me a book report on the history of Formula One. And they presented these mechanics for these three cars. Yeah. Where is the, the fucking rest. history? Where is the, what are the, what are the, the tracks look like? Who yeah. runs it? What's the, like, there's nothing else there. It's glanced over, right? And so... The best part of that book is the ship's breakdowns. Like, yeah. That was the most interesting part of that book to me. Yeah, hands down. However, how many of those ships are you going to use in a campaign? Oh, one, two, three. Yeah. Max. Yeah, maybe you'll board a couple of enemy ones. Yeah. You will have to run multiple... I mean, there are options. You can play different campaigns. You can. Um, different campaigns will use but different But there's ships, not enough here to run multiple campaigns out of this. Like, your players would be bored. Yeah. Like, yeah. this would be a fun one-off. I don't see myself playing a full 1 to 20 campaign in this setting. Not unless you're going to go down to Eberron and futz about on Eberron yeah. for, you know, three levels and then you move over to, to Ravnica and then Greyhawk. Yeah. Sure, fine. If you, want to do, if you want to do world traveling, I mean, this is a great filler. Yeah. But this is not a full 1 to 20 campaign. There's, no, yeah, there's I not agree. Enough here. This is This is what's going to get you where you, you do your, your level 1 to 3 intro campaign. Yeah. It, to whatever it is, Ravnica, because they all have these short little adventures in them, yeah. right? Ravnica, Theros, Eberron, whatever it is, or or um, hell, you could even uh, just do one of the like starter sets, sure. right, and yeah. do that, and then move into this, introduce the idea, yep. of this this interstellar travel into the wild space and the astral travel and whatnot, and then go back. And then crash on a different plane and futz about there for a while. Yeah. Then you get to back on your ship and it's going home again. Yeah. I, it almost feels like a reboot, the old show. Yeah, reboot, yeah. Like a little bit. So, um, when should someone add this publication to the library? Collectors should add it just for the art. 
honestly, this is yeah. A, as a collector, I'm actually super thrilled that this, I have. Yeah, this, this yeah. is. This is a centerpiece of a collection. Uh, with the exception of the starter set and the essentials kit, I have skipped all of the other box sets. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm, I have not paid the money for the special re-release of right. the, like, I haven't done that. I'm glad I have this, and it's yeah. a cool little set piece, but. Yeah. Um, as a DM, unless you really specifically want to go into space, there's no reason to pick this book, this setup. Um, yeah, there's not a single playable race the, the in player, here. The playable races are uninspired outside of the setting. Yeah, there's nothing there that's jumping. I mean, I, mean, I could get some the mileage. Gift. I get some mileage out of the Thrycreen, probably. Yeah. Um, but, but they feel so alien that they... Yeah, but I can just play... I can be insect people in the yeah, other dark, sure. right? Like, yeah. But that's that's about as far as I'm willing to go with it. And then... And then what's the, interesting the, the backgrounds the are only, like, setting-specific, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, the ships are only saying specific. I I hope that there are some neat aberrations in here. And yeah. if you're going to do a the cosmic horror... You could take some stuff out of. Yeah. But again, that's it. And yeah. at that point, I'm going to buy the Booze Menagerie on D&D Beyond. Yeah. And not buy this. Oh, absolutely. This is going to be one of the last damn things to buy. And yeah. I feel like there's... It could have been one of the mid-range ones, yeah. like, like Fizz Bands, where I really want to sure. dig into space... Or astral stuff, or the astral sea, the way I want to dig into dragons, yeah. or the way I want to dig, in, uh, dig into the um, the nine hells. So I'm going to get Baldur's Gate, right? Like you have to really want. You to have go to, to this really thing. want to go with the price tag as high as it is, yeah. and the lack of shit you get. Yeah. That adventure, while it's cool, is too short. Yeah. Again, what it gives you is fantastic, but it is it is a bombastic ninety minute movie, and not uh, yeah. It's not Dune. Yeah. Right, it's not Star Wars. This is very. You're much. not gonna come back to it again and again. No, you're gonna enjoy it for the what it is, and then it'll sit on your shelf. Yeah, um, yeah. This feels like a made-for-TV Star Trek movie, right? Like, oh yes, fantastic! But the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> it's not quite that. It's bad. not that bad. Um, so I guess that uh, that wraps it up for this episode um, on Spelljammer Adventures in Space. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also email us at info at itsamimic.com or head over to www.itsamimic.com and support us by hitting that donate button or buying some merch. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast. And make sure to check out more Legend Lore episodes as we cover new releases as they happen, as well as some of those previously published 5th edition books. For deeper dives into a specific content, check out the playlist we built on YouTube or browse the episode guide that we update on Reddit at r slash itsamimic. Also, I'm sure you have fangirls now from your sexy, raspy voice. I mean, I sound like an old-time radio DJ. <laughs> yeah. Up next is the Rolling Stones. With yeah, I'm yeah. gonna have to get to smoking regularly. <laughs> uh, if someone who's done that, don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs>